Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. As you know, my good friend Jason Harrison, the founder of Kuyu Ultralight Hunting, has passed away within a matter of days ago. And the whole hunting community is in shock. All his family and friends obviously are in shock. And we're just so distraught about the tragedy that's happened. And I've tried on my Instagram account uh, some of the hunts that I was on with Jason I have tried to uh, bring out some of those videos where people could see the guy that he was and and, um, just try and shed light on on some of the things that he accomplished and that he did. And I I got to thinking um, I had done a bunch of podcasts with Jason and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and find some of the better podcasts that I did with Jason. and I'm going to bring them back to you. And I think I've been listening to them myself and I've gotten a lot of value out of them. And I've been able to reminisce about Jason and the guy that he was and the passion that he had for the hunting business. And uh, I just think a lot of people are going to get um, a lot of value out of listening to what he had to say, whether you're building a business, whether you're hunting, whether you're, you know, whatever you're doing. Uh, I think there's lots of great tidbits uh, throughout these podcasts. So, uh, guys, um, on Instagram, I love the hashtag KuyuStrong. And um, I also, uh, Jason's family has asked, um, in lieu of flowers or or anything like that, to donate to um, the uh, CTE uh, studies and and foundation. They're, They're... they're studying uh, the effects of CTE, and I'm going to put a link for that in these show notes. And um, to all of Jason's, you know, to the whole Kuyu Nation, to Jason's family and friends, um, you know, this is a very, very difficult time. And I thought one of the best ways to um, highlight some of the things that Jason has done is to bring back his own voice and to um, replay some of these podcast episodes. So um, it's going to be tough to listen to, but I think um, in listening to all of these, I've, I've just gotten a, a new appreciation for uh, some of the things that he stood for and what have you. I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for this podcast, your loyalty to this podcast. And I also want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. Obviously, Kuyu, uh, Ultralight Hunting, Kuyu.com. Jason Harrison and his whole crew over there at Kuyu has been a sponsor of my podcast uh, for well uh, for for many years now, and I want to thank them for their sponsorship. And I want to let you guys know that Jason surrounded himself with a great team, and he's got a, a great staff over at Kuyu. And yes, losing the founder, losing the president, you know, Jason was a huge part of. Of, of the success at Kuyu, but he does have a phenomenal team. Uh, the team is rallying. I was over there for the funeral and was able to talk with a lot of the employees and a lot of the staff at Kuyu, and they are rallying. They are going to uh, help Jason's legacy live on, and I think they're going to do a phenomenal job. So uh, I appreciate all of you guys' support, the Kuyu Nation support of Kuyu, and I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship of the podcast, you can go to KUIU.com and check uh, out all of the different products there. 
And I also want to thank GoHunt.com. Cody Nelson, who is the glassing guru and the optics authority, is the new optics manager at GoHunt.com gear shop. You can call Cody directly for info sales at 702-847-8747, extension 2, or email Cody at optics, O-P-T-I-C-S, at GoHunt.com. Uh, Cody has promised me that he's going to take care of the J. Scott Outdoors listeners, so make sure to give Cody a call if you have any optics needs, whether it's spotting scopes, binoculars, rifle scopes, tripods, etc. Also, Canyon Coolers. Use the J. Scott promo code to get a 10% off all Canyon Coolers products. Go to CanyonCoolers.com. Canyon coolers.com use the j scott promo code to get 10 percent off all orders guys let's get right to these episodes and i appreciate your support This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today. I'm your host, Jay Scott, and I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Welcome to the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Jason Harrison of Kuyu, and uh, Jason and I have been fortunate. I've shared some hunts with Kuyu, with uh, Jason, and um, I love Kuyu gear. I've been wearing it for years, and um, it's always a pleasure and nice to talk to um, Jason about just life and talk to him about his hunts and, and his Obviously, his brand, Kuyu, is uh, something Darren and I believe in. And uh, Jason, how are you doing today? Jay, I'm good. Thanks for having me back on. This is yeah. officially my second podcast. Yes, this is awesome. Uh, we got great reviews on your first episode, and I'm looking forward to talking to you today about Kuyu and how things are going. Uh, first, I'd like to say... Uh, thanks for all of the great stuff that you guys have been kicking out this summer. And uh, I've been wearing the Peloton stuff and um, really like it. I was actually up on the Frying Pan River today in Colorado fishing. And uh, when I got out of the truck, it was like 46 degrees and um, uh, was layered up. And um, we had a great day fishing, caught some really nice fish and uh I got some great pictures and um, just a beautiful time to be here in Colorado. But I really like that Peloton stuff. Yeah, I do too. I um, I've been search I've been searching for nets, synthetic nets from day one, and I have yet to find anything other than Polar Tech that I thought really fit the bill for Kuyu and you know was light and was warm and and had a performance level that I that I felt was indicative of the Kuyu brand and had been pushing Torre to work with some of these prime flex yarns that we have in our pants. And they started from kind of from ground zero on 
re-engineering their, these yarns into a knit program. And Tore being Tore took some thoughts that I had around it and then put it on steroids and what they created for us in a program that we introduced as Peloton. It's, it's awesome stuff. I, uh, every time we come out with something new, I say it's my favorite. And right now Peloton's is my favorite. It's really cool stuff. It's light, it's warm, it dries fast. The three different pieces work well together and make a great little layering system. And you know, that 240 gets rid of my soft shell jacket and is lighter and more compact and it moves with your body a little bit better. Yeah, it's um, got a real nice fit and, and it's got a lot of stretch to it. Um, I, I really like it. Um, Jason, tell me, obviously I've been in love with the Merino wool uh, for some time now. But tell me on your own personal hunts, uh, maybe where you would wear merino wool and then maybe where you would wear Peloton. You know, merino, I, I love our merino wool base layers uh, for the reasons of the, you know, the merino's you know, base protein is carotene protein and it, it's antimicrobial by nature. And so what I love about it is, is it feels great against your skin over multiple days in the same shirt and the odor's odor stays out of that product. Um, I first realized that we needed a synthetic knit program was when I was hunting in New Zealand, oh, maybe two or three years ago with Sean Allison and Sean and an old Crestfield Kiwi guide that was with Sean. I can't even remember his name. The guy was classic and they're both wearing synthetic base layers. And I was shocked, you know, being the home of Merino wool they their comments on the merino was it just doesn't dry out, which we all know to be true because it's you know it's hydrophilic, meaning it's going to pull the moisture in off your skin into the fabric and will hold moisture, but it'll keep you dry because your skin's or keep you warm when it's wet because your skin's dry because it's pulling it off your skin. And it got me thinking that you know God maybe we need to revisit uh, you know synthetic knit program, and that's kind of what sparked my interest in it and why I went to Torrey and, and talked to them about a knit program for us. And uh, so on hunts that have a lot of moisture and you're not going to be able to dry stuff out, I recommend synthetics. Um, you just need to plan accordingly because you're not going to be able to probably get, you know, 10 days out of the same synthetic shirt without wanting to change it. So you're going to need to bring, a, you know, two or three uh, base layer shirts within the system Um or on shorter trips, you're going to have you're, you know, you're car camping, and you have the ability to bring multiple base layer uh, sets to change out. Then you might want to think about synthetics. Synthetics, you know, what I like about them is they're durable. Uh, they dry really, really fast. And for a lot of us, it's they're a little bit more comfortable against the skin than a merino wool. And so there's certain situations I just like synthetics. I like I'm going up. Tomorrow for the opening weekend of blacktail season here on the coast in California. And I will wear Peloton against my skin because uh, it's a short weekend hunt. Now, um, will you go with the uh, Tiburon pants um, in that setup or Tiburon shorts with the Peloton uh, synthetic top? Or ha what will your setup be for that hunt? Because I know it's probably very hot. Yeah, we'll get, it's supposed to be up in the 90s this, this week, which is actually cool for the opening weekend of, of California archer season. So I, you know, I started testing Tiburon in, um, in this season, and it is. It's the perfect pant for these summer hunts. 
And so I'll be wearing that pants and then just a a Peloton uh, short sleeve and long sleeve over the top of it. And if it, when it gets hot, I'll pop off the long sleeve and just, you know, usually on a hike out is when I'll get down to just the short sleeve base layer. Um, but you don't need much. And then I'll put a uh, probably the Peloton 240 in my backpack for I'm sitting up on a ridge. Sometimes in the mornings you can get the breeze off the ocean and it can get actually quite cold. Um, but it doesn't stay cold for long and, and ends up being, you know, 100 degrees sometimes in these canyons when you're hiking out. So you get a uh, you get a quite quite a wide range of conditions up there. On those um, blacktail hunts, um, you really enjoy those hunts, and I know you kind of cut your teeth on those. Um, will you be going? Uh, is it archery hunting? Uh, will you be going with the bow, or what, what's your what's your weapon of choice? Yeah, I'm going to be hunting this weekend. I'm taking my dad. It's kind of a a tradition I have with him, and I'm taking my son. So it's going to be three generations of us, and I've. Uh, that's scary. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> We're all carrying longbows this weekend. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Now, on that setup, can you um, can you also shoot a pig? How does California work as far as um, their their bag limit? Yeah, we can shoot. You can shoot two deer. Um, so we've got two tags, which is amazing for a lot of you to think about. Um, it opens the second weekend in July every year at black to archery season. That's the A zone. There's other zones, but the A zone season starts second weekend in July. And uh, we'll have hog tags in our pockets as well. So if we see hogs, we can stock those and hunt those as well as blacktails. It makes it for an awesome hunt. Um, yeah. The downside of the hunt is it can be incredibly hot. And blacktails, uh, if, unless you're hunting on a ranch that just – has them all over the place and they're not hunted um can be incredibly hard to kill with a bow especially with a stick bow um they're really inconsistent as far as their movements and their patterns and a buck you'll see in one spot one day you go back there and look for him the next day he's never there a lot of times we'll hunt an area and not see the same buck twice in a season so they can be just a, a challenge to try to figure out and kill um and Jason, the the terrain you're hunting obviously is a coastal mountainous, um, but I would assume like the grass and such, it, it's dried out, right? It's yellow and and dried out this time of year. Yeah, we're hunting in some pretty steep steep oak canyons, so you've got oak trees with oak leaves that have fallen off and are all over the ground, which are great, are really noisy. You've got dried out grass, and then you've got thick brush. So it's a re- it makes it really really challenging. You got to kind of have a a deer in a perfect setup to get in, for, in close and, and get a good shot on them. Uh, Will it be spot and stock or or sit and wait or what kind of style of hunting is that? Sitting over water is the best way to kill these things. Uh huh. I'm way too impatient to do it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd rather chase them off through the briars. I huh? would. I like to cover <laughs> ground and I like to glass and spot and stock. There's some awesome water uh, water holes and seeps on this ranch because there's not a lot of water, so the deer get really concentrated on certain water spots. And I told myself this year it was going to be different. I was going to go in and set up tree stands and, and trail cams, which I bought and have sitting in my basement in my house and never installed them because decided I'm going to spot and stock again this year. Um, nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. It is um, fun. Yeah. Now, how far roughly is that from Dixon, where the Kuyu headquarters are? Uh, the place I'm hunting's uh, a little less. It's about an hour and a half, so it's not okay. not far. There's a public area that's about an hour from our place. That's 
if you do a lot of homework, you can find some deer in there. Uh, I've joined at what we call a you know blacktail deer club, which are pretty common around here, and you get a, a lease for the deer season. And we have about ten other members. Most of them are rifle hunters, so we'll be the only archery hunters there for this this season. And yeah, you know it's it's great. You know you can see, see you've seen ten and twenty bucks on a on an average weekend, and maybe one or two that are in that Pope and Young range. Awesome. I assume with it being as tough a conditions as it as it is, uh, if you get a chance at a buck, you're you're going to let her rip, or, or or do you be selective on this hunt? Uh, you know, typically this weekend, I'm just trying to get my dad a shot, uh-huh. and then I've got the rest of the season because it's so close. He lives down in Southern California, so I, I take him out opening weekend and try to get him a deer. And if we don't, you know, if we get him one, great. Then I'll hunt. Um, uh, otherwise, I'm just trying to set him up on stocks. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, shifting gears a yep. little bit, uh, I recently got the uh, Tiburon uh, shorts, and um, uh, I got uh, two in solid colors, and I've been wearing them uh, fishing. I've been wearing them rowing in, in my boat while taking friends out fishing in, in the raft, and um, actually been wearing them to dinner a lot and stuff in the evenings, and just really love those shorts. My wife's like, man, do you want me to throw away your other shorts? And because it seems like all you wear, and I said, well, they're just so comfortable. Um, tell me the, the the principle and the logic behind the Tiburon and the Air Dock technology, and and how all of that works with um, the warm season hunts. Yeah, it's it's a really unique fabric in the sense that it's light and quiet and durable, and then. By construction, as you know, it has these, well, it's the reason they have the name is these small micro dots that run, you know, up, you know, vertically and horizontally that give it kind of like a ripstop look to the fabric. It's actually openings in the fabric allow air to pass through. And it was originally created by Torre for the Japanese Olympic Olympians in Beijing as a fabric that they can make jerseys out of for like their soccer team and other Olympic athletes that would maximize breathability through the fabric that was still durable enough to not just get torn apart like a real lightweight fabric. And you know, I've looked at a lot of the lightweight fabrics from like Ex Officio and some of the other companies that make some really lightweight fabrics for fly fishing. And they are lightweight, but they still don't let air travel through it very easily, especially if you put DWR on it. So, yeah, they're light, but they still don't solve the problem of airflow. Um, there are some meshes out there that work, but the problem with the lightweight meshes is you just tear them up going through brush or hunting. This is kind of the best of both worlds. You get airflow, you get quiet, you get enough durability out of a lightweight fabric. Um, and it's like, it's the, it's the perfect hot weather fabric. When we, I first tested, I was amazed because I took them into the California, uh, blacktail season, which, if you've hunted that country, I think you have, Jay. There's a lot of brush, and I busted brush with them and, and then slipped and fall, fell and some pretty t- tough, nasty stuff, and uh, they withstood everything I threw at it through an entire season of black tail hunting and realized that it was a fabric we could use, and we put it in the line, and the response to it's been outstanding. There's n- absolutely nothing like it in the world for, for a hot weather system. Yeah, you know, I, I can't wait to wear them for archery elk season. Um, to me... You know, the attack pan has been, you know, just just uh, one of my favorites for years. Um, but I think I'm going to roll the Tiburon um, on the archery elk seasons because, you know, in Arizona, we can have, 
you know, lows in the 40s, say, in the mornings, but, you know, a lot of times in the afternoons, it'll hit up and, you know, up into the 80s, and um, I think that's uh, going to be a new addition for me on, on my pants. Um, uh, you know, I may run uh, some of the other pants, the Chinook maybe, um, but I think, I mean, overall, I think the Tiburon's going to be a perfect fit for me for those archery elk seasons. I, I wanted to bounce back to something... Um, and talk about Torre. Um, if if other manufacturers, say competitors, were to uh, use Torre, uh, it's my impression from what you've told me before that they're they would actually be priced out of the market. Meaning that uh, because of the great stuff that Torre makes and the cost that it costs you, if your competitor were to use it they would have to charge twice as much. Can you talk to me a little bit about that um, scenario? Yeah, I think it's, it's a great question that comes up. Um, and I think some of the people that uh, challenge Kuyu, whether it's competitors or naysayers, uh, try to challenge us on our, on our pricing and, and the validity of our pricing and our margins. Um, I found Torre at when I was developing products and running as CEO of Sitka, and realized quickly um, how amazing these fabrics were in performance and technology and weight. There was lots of advantages around the patents they have on their materials and quickly built a layering system out of Torre fabrics and tried financially to make it work, but you know, we're talking about fabrics, you know, head-to-head comparison, like on stretch wovens, the fabrics we were running at Sitka were four and five dollars and the Torrey fabrics were fourteen and fifteen dollars um, for example soft shells you know six to seven dollars we were buying and running it at Sitka at the time we're comparing to seventeen and eighteen dollars soft shells at Torrey and you start running the math out on that and you just you can't make it work unless you can get three hundred dollars for a stretch woven hunting pant and Four or five hundred dollars for a soft shell jacket, and a thousand dollars for rain gear, um, and it just wouldn't pencil and work in the current business model that we ran in Sitka. And so when uh, when Gore bought Sitka from us, um, it's the whole reason why I started Kuyu as a consumer direct model was to take these fabrics to market because I knew how great they were, and I knew if someone could find a way to get. Torre to the market at a price that people could afford, they'd have a winning business. And it's exactly what we've done and exactly why Kuyu has been so successful. Um, further, it's allowed us to work with materials like carbon fiber for our packs, new yarn, merino wool from the merino company, and you know small little detail stuff like the targe leather in our gloves. It's incredibly expensive, but we can afford to take it to market. And, and it makes, all of it makes, all the products we make very special. They're lighter, they perform better last longer um, and at a price that is competitive or less than our competition can take to market with lesser materials. And, and so the reality is truly uh, the, the, the materials that are in the Kuyu products, a lot of the Kuyu products are such that n- none of the other competitors can compare in quality. And so uh, I mean, you truly can say without a shadow of a doubt that the quality, the mater- quality of materials is way better. It's substantially better. Better in, in our, you know, Kuyu's 
the, the lineup of fabrics that we use at QU, materials that we use at QU, nobody in any market that makes technical performance wear can compete with what we have head-to-head. Whether it's, and, and whether it's hunting, whether it's outdoor, I mean, you can't. What we run in our program is the best in the world, bar none. Speaking of the world, Jason, I noticed that uh, you started a uh, showroom in Europe. Um, talk to me a little bit about the progression of, of, of your thought process in, in jumping over to Europe and maybe give us a little bit of an idea how that launch went. I know I, I believe you went over to Europe for the launch. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, we our European business, which is not by plan but by demand, uh, forced us to put somebody on the ground in Europe to help with European customers with questions, with import questions, with customer service questions. And then we thought if it's the demand has been there, um, you know, if we had actually had somebody there to help drive the business, could we could we grow it? And we had been approached by a gentleman um, in Spain, Jorge, and who offered to come to work for us part-time. Uh, we offered him a part-time position last September. Um, he quickly grew, helped grow our business through brand awareness, consolidating orders, and working with European customers. And then we brought him on full-time at the first of the year and opened an office in northern Spain. And then he got the opportunity through a relationship he had to open up a showroom at a, at, um, a really interesting location in the town of Los Ibanez, about an hour out of uh, Madrid. And uh, it gives us the opportunity to have our entire line of equipment and gear in a location in Europe so people can come and see it, touch it, and feel it in a way to help continue to expand and grow our brand with the ultimate goal to have a distribution in place a year from now to handle all of our European orders and support the growing European business and I went over for the grand opening and was just totally blown away with the response of the uh, the European customers to the Kuyu brand. We had an invitation-only event, and there was well over 100 people there with other people that just came that weren't invited that wanted to be part of it. And we had a couple magazines there covering it, a couple newspapers, two television stations. Um, the mayor of the town was there to meet, and we did the opening, and it was just an amazing event and they were very gracious and excited and complimentary of Kuyu and, and the fact that we'd be there to support their country and the European uh, market with our products and our brand. It was exciting to see it's, you know, the European market's very different as far as the clothes that they wear hunting, but they're starting to really come around to understand the advantages to technical hunting apparel and are very interested in what Kuyu is, and I think there's a really upside to that market that's that hasn't been tapped yet. You know, I think one of the things that jumps out to me, having been to Europe uh, uh, several times and knowing uh, how Europe Europeans are pretty discriminatory as far as with their gear. I mean, they have uh, some great manufacturers over there, and I know that Kuyu uh, just went talking to you at, at other times, you said you have a strong uh, showing in Europe, and I think that speaks volumes for Kuyu because um, 
maybe you can elaborate on the, the, the Europeans have very high quality um, products. They do, but it's it's a kind of a what I call traditional style of clothing. Um, it's a lot of wools and, and big heavy parkas, and just a different style and approach to the hunting to hunting apparel. Well, I think of like I guess I'm thinking of like the high end ski stuff. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of the great uh, ski clothing is made in Europe, and and I know having gone into shops in Austria and and Germany and Switzerland and some of those places that you know they've got some pretty high end technical skiing type gear. So I know that they're prone to uh, want to use high quality gear. They they have it, they absolutely they have it in their ski wear. They have it in their outdoor gear. They just haven't had it in hunting gear, which is surprising to me as well. And because Torre, the majority of their business is the European ski market. Because they'll pay $1,000 or $2,000 or $3,000 for a ski jacket. That's where Torre does the bulk of their business. Um, Jason, uh, while we're on that subject, uh, and you had mentioned Naysayer, um, here at the J-, J. Scott Outdoors podcast, we very rarely like to focus on anything negative. But it, if if you had a critic out there that says, hey, uh, you know, you've got back orders and such, why would you be starting in Europe? Um, can you talk a little bit about just how how hard it is to to um, engineer and, and, and run a company that is as fast at growing as Kuyu and some of the, the, the hurdles and struggles that you come, you know, I, I know you, you forecast out and, and, and the, the, the public out there, uh, the customer just seems to always amaze you. Talk a little bit about how that dynamic is working. Well, you, you have to put a plan in place and you have to put a plan in place for growth and infrastructure for the growth for the future. And um, whether that's a financial plan, whether that's an organizational plan, um, or an infrastructure plan. And Europe was part of our infrastructure plan with a growing demand for the European customer. Um, Whether we had inventory or not, we needed to put somebody there just to assist those customers. We, our hours are so different, uh, language barriers being different, uh, we felt like we could help our customers there by having a representative there that they could contact, um, whether it was warranty, whether it was questions, whether it was help with an order. Um, and that was the initial start of the, the European office. We're going to be doing the same thing in the South Pacific in New Zealand and Australia as well to help our customers there. Um, and as far as just growing and planning a business, you know, we, I've always... Um, for Kuyu, I'm not wanting to chase demand by bringing on investors and diluting the company uh, to chase demand and uh, change the ownership structure of this business to do it. I've, I feel like for a long, long-term long business, which I want Kuyu to be, um, the smartest way to grow this thing is to hit my growth targets every year and plan accordingly around that and not overextend myself or the company financially, which is very, very dangerous, very easy to do, and it's a very easy way to lose a business. And having gone through the challenges I went through with a lot of different partners and investors at Sitka that we raised money to chase demand, I want to do this different, stay in control of the company, which I have, 
and get us to a point to where we will eventually catch up to the demands that, that is there. Um, you know, I started this off as a consumer direct online only brand expecting slow, much slower growth obviously than what we have. Um, I'll take the growth that we've been able to achieve, which has been well over 100% a year, and uh, we eventually will catch up. I think what's been a challenge for us and for our customers to understand is, you know, hunting's a very seasonal business, um, and most companies and most brands buy product based on the seasonality of our business and won't have stock 24-7, 365, but plan on bringing in inventory for the hunting season, which you know really starts, our hunting season does, uh, and purchasing doesn't start until mid to late July, August through the end of the year. And so you're usually low in inventory coming out of Christmas all the way through until June and July when your inventory starts coming in for the season. And you'll be bringing much larger orders throughout the rest of the year. Um, where we get beat up quite a bit is in the off season. Um, and guys that want to be able to purchase it in a January, February, or March and then upset that they can't get it then. It's like going into a ski shop in May and expecting to be able to get everything that they ski shop would have in December and then being disappointed and upset that they don't have it in May. But ski season is six months away. Um, I'm trying to get on our basics uh, more in stock in those off seasons so the guys can pick stuff up. Uh, during the off season, but it's a challenge, um, and it's hard to make those big uh, purchases and plans, knowing that you're in the off season. Um, and if we don't sell through it, it puts us in a, a bigger challenge as a business. Um, so I just have to run it as best I know how to run it. And if we can't meet all the demand, I just hope customers over time can understand that it's the way I have to run this business. Um, it hurts us as much or more than it hurts them when they can't go on, click, and purchase a product. But it's a great question, it's a, and it's a challenge of, and um, one of the challenges of growing a business. Absolutely, and I think you've done a fantastic job. And I think having gone through some of the stuff you have gone through, uh, you're a smart guy, and and you know that you want to have control and you want to grow this at the at the rate that you want to grow it at so i i give you my hats off to you on that you've done a fantastic job and the reality is um you know people that want the product if they pre-order it and 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 you know get on the ball and don't wait they 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 will get their product and um appreciate your answer there i'm excited to talk to you about the eight piece skin to shell layering system the teton collection and first and foremost, talk to me a little bit about how that developed over time and and, and then go into the Teton collection, sure. please. Yeah, Teton uh, was an idea I've had since the beginning of Kuyu. Um, I built this business model around working with these really expensive materials that I couldn't take to market because of the retail business model before Kuyu. But I always thought in the back of my mind, what if we took you know, fabrics that are on the same or similar performance and price structure of what I bought previously with Sitco or, or what our competitors are buying and dropped them into our business model and took them out to market for customers that couldn't afford the competitor's pricing or couldn't afford Kuya's pricing, but still wanted to have great quality gear at a great value and felt like we were uh, mature enough as a business to consider it and 
last year, Tori came to us with a program that they called TSD, which is Sports Division Fabrics, which are made to go into North American retail market. And they, on a quality and performance level, um, I would argue that they're as good or better. Um, I like them better than what I bought when I was buying fabrics at Sitka. Um, and because they're based under Torre and Torre's technologies and how they build fabrics is better than any other Taiwanese suppliers that I've worked with in the past. Um, and felt like it was something to do for a couple of reasons. One, to give people choices on price and performance. Not everybody needs the performance of Torre Primeflex yarns or Stenner Stretch yarns that perform so well in the most extreme conditions in the world. Uh, and that it was a good thing for this market to have a choice for these guys at a price that more people could afford. It also was a smart business move for Kuyu. Um, anytime we can reset the bar on pricing and performance, uh, puts pressure on a competition, um, allows us to gain more market share, makes us a stronger business. And I felt like, you know, looking at the whole program with, with Teton, we weren't going down market because it's on a performance level of our competition, if not better. Um, it just it's a, gives our customers choices and lets us kind of put a stake in, the, stake in the ground as far as where pricing should be or could be if there wasn't the retailers uh, selling products that were similar to our competition, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you have the Teton, you have a short sleeve crew, a uh, long sleeve crew, uh, the, the Teton Zip Tee. In uh, talking about those three right there, um, so those, you feel like those are comparable, but you feel they're better than the competition uh, fabrics that they're using. I, I know they're better. Uh, if you look at their, just the fabric makeup on those, it's 100% polyester, where most companies that are running, you know, uh, their base air programs are going to have elastic in those those materials. Um, ours is 100% polyester. It's a Torre fabric, uh, so they're going to dry incredibly fast. Uh, they're backed by our warranty. They're cut and sewn in our same factories that are cutting and sewing our, our other products, so I know it's the highest quality cut and sew you can get. And you know all those things together, I they they're just flat out better at a price that is wholesale. It's what same price that Cabela's is buying it from our competition. Yeah, I mean you're talking you know thirty four ninety nine, forty four ninety nine, and fifty four ninety nine. Um, those are very very reasonable prices for for great quality products. Yeah, for what you're getting, it's incredible prices. Yep. And then you've got the Teton stretch woven pant, the soft shell jacket, the Teton rain pant. So uh, Teton rain jacket and then a Teton insulated jacket. Um, curious about the insulate, the Teton insulated jacket. What material is that? So that's 100% polyester, uh, stretch polyester. And then we've got the uh, Tori 3D FX inside of it as the insulation. So it's uncoated. So you got the same, you know, Great breathability advantages to Tori uh, 3D FX that we have in our Kenai. It's a poly, so it is a polyester fabric, so it's not going to be quite as durable as our Kenai. Um, but it's an awesome piece for the money, and uh, it's a. I mean, it's, this stuff will blow people away when they get it in their hands. It, it's the, at the price 
that it's at. Because, I mean, honestly, when we developed it, we all kind of looked at each other and said, man, this is stuff's maybe too good at this point. <laughs> and, and from what I understand, the whole kit and caboodle is uh, 750 bucks for a whole system. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, it's unheard of. Nope, I know. It's awesome. I mean, you can tell you, I mean, you, I would be, and am more than confident to recommend to a guy going on a sheep hunt. It's that good of stuff. That's great. Um, that's great stuff. I want to um, talk to you a little bit about uh, something that I, I, I really have just seen but know nothing about, and that's the uh, Kuyu Film Festival 2016. Um, w- walk me through exactly what's going on with this. Well, that's a good question. We've, we've been getting a lot of customers that have been sending us links to videos that they've shot, edited, and thrown up on YouTube or or Hunter Vids or Vimeo. And we just, I, you know, sitting there one day with Blaze, our videographer, and Pat, who uh, looks at a lot of these videos that come in, and we said, let's start a film festival for these guys. Let's get them... Let's give them something back um, for you know shooting and editing, and putting a film up, and let's put it in one spot. We'll have them submit them to us. We'll go through and pick our favorites, and then we'll throw them up on on our website, and then let the public vote on on their favorites and give out some amazing awards for for their hard work. And just felt like it was something that. Selfishly, we wanted to show off our our customers' work in a place that everyone could look at it and then let them vote. That sounds like an awesome deal. I can't wait. You're probably going to get some incredible content uh, there, and I'm excited to see uh, what comes in. So that's I'm going to be uh, eagerly an- anticipating that. Um, I'll be expecting your entry, Jay. Well, I'll do my best. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what are some of the pieces in the Kuyu line that have had either a major change or overhaul for the better in your mind, meaning I know knowing you personally, you are nonstop trying to tinker and, 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 and change things and make it for the better. Give me some, uh, give me some products that you know that you've made changes to that have made it better. Well, the, in our rain gear, the change over the last, oh, probably I'm trying to think when NX came out in the market, maybe the last, 18 months we've been running the NX membrane from Torre, and that's a, an advancement in, in waterproof breathable membrane technology that essentially has taken our breathability from you know 20,000 uh, to over 40,000, uh, which is literally double our closest competitor. Uh, they've increased the stretch and the durability of the membrane, and it's it's taken our our rain gear to a level that makes it so you can literally almost wear it as a soft shell jacket with because it has that much breathability and moves moisture out of the product that well that's been a huge advantage to our product line and and how you know we can make some of the products like our yukon pant we've designed it as actual pant that i put on at the beginning of a sheep hunt and don't take off until i'm done and you can wear it as a as a regular pant because the membrane breathes so well um, that's been a huge advancement over the last couple of years. Um, recent advancements, we made some nice improvements to our two-person tent from year one to year two in our 2015 Mountain Star 2P. Um, we were able to do a couple adjustments on the venting, um, some adjustments on the inside. We increased the, 
the height of the bathtub floor based on some feedback from customers. Uh, we've uh, we got rid of the one person Mountain Star and came out with the Ultra Star. Too many guys um, mentioning that they thought there wasn't and there really wasn't a big enough weight difference between the one person and two two person Mountain Star. So we went to a single pole design and single wall design on the Ultra Star, and that's been a huge success. Um, I think uh, partly it's because of the weight savings. It went from uh, just under three pounds all the way down to 18 ounces and uses just a single trekking pole to, to, to put the tent up. So that's solved some problems for some guys looking for a really lightweight one-person solution on a shelter or a tent. Um, and then uh, we've, you know, we've been in the process of uh, designing and making a new uh, rain gear product called Ultra NX, which is the lightest three-layer hard shell rain system that's ever been created. And that comes out this summer, and that's, you know, weighs, the jacket weighs eight ounces, the pet weighs seven ounces. I saw that, and it was, that just blew me away. Yeah, it's crazy. For guys like yourself, Jay, when you're just never in your rain gear, but you got to carry it for those thunderstorms, it'll be, you guys will just eat it up. Um, it's got the NX membrane, so it breathes like crazy. It's got a nylon outer fabric so it's really durable against the thorns and stuff that you guys hunted in Arizona but uh, in your pack you won't even know it's there yeah so I mean you'll have 15 ounces for pants and jacket 8 and 7 is that what you said? yeah it comes in some, somewhere along those lines yeah it's, it weighs less than our Chugach jacket alone weighs that is incredible packs down to nothing um, so we've been able to I mean you're looking at some of the stuff we've, we've added to the lineup over the last two years and you're you know, and looking at, as I'm putting together my kit for my upcoming sheep hunt, just always amazed that, you know, every year I look at the, the base weight. Um, that's before optics, food, and the weapon I'm taking, and anything along the lines with a weapon like ammo. And it just keeps getting lighter and lighter. I mean, I remember when I think I first started with Kuyu has 18 pounds, and I'm all the way down to under 10 pounds this year. That's fantastic. Um, you actually have some um, great hunts coming up here. Um, tell me about some of these hunts that you have. Uh, I know you have a sheep hunt coming up here pretty quick. Yeah, I'm getting uh, starting to get ready for a doll sheep hunt up in the Northwest Territories with uh, at Nahani Butte. It's for that's a ten day hunt. I also have a mountain caribou tag in my pocket if we happen to find something that's giant. Um, but I'm really excited because this is an area that is getting closed after this year and going becoming, I don't know if you've heard about that, but a big chunk of uh, the southern end of the McKenzie Mountains, they call it Nahani Buttes, and that's going into back into a, we're getting brought into part of the national park that it borders. So we'll be some of the last hunters to ever get to hunt that area. And it has one of the, high, if the highest density of adult sheep in the world and has some really good rams and... I'm excited to get a chance to go in there. It's always been on my, my list of things to do and uh, fortunate enough to get in the last year before it closes. That's, that's the first, uh, let's say I fly out on the 2nd of August and it's a, I think we start hunting on the 4th and it's a 10 day hunt. And so I'm excited about that and um, it's a backpack style type of hunt. So I'll be able to put all the gear to the test and we're going to be uh, bringing a couple cameramen to film it. And so hopefully we have a, a cool little film to enter into our contest. Awesome. Well, well um, uh, you know, I know you and I know that you like those challenging hunts. Uh, 
we had talked in the previous episode a little bit about your adventurous spirit. It, is that spirit uh, totally parallel with the, the design of the QU products? Meaning, um, is is that what's I'm always curious at what drives you every day to make your product better because, you know, you could rest a little bit and sit back on your haunches and, and, and enjoy your success, but it seems as though you're always grinding. Tell me about that part of you and why that is. Uh, it's just who I am, I suppose. I'm always looking for ways to improve what we've got, whether it's a seam, whether it's a change in fit, whether it's a change in a fabric or material. Uh, part of it, you know, it's my perfectionism, uh, and then it's the mantra of our business, which is, you know, reducing weight, increasing performance. So whether if it's a new material I come across or it's a better way to do a design, you know, we because we don't have retailers telling us not to make changes, um, we can make changes overnight um, and take it back out to market with a, a newer, better product. Um, so we do it kind of yeah, against yeah. the rules and against the grain of what everyone else does in this business, which is design something, sit on it for four years, and then redesign it. Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, directly attributed to why QU is such a success. And I, I think one of the other things, too, that always strikes me is, um, I mean, you're a hunter through and through. And, and uh, you know, not talking bad about anybody else at all, but, you know, in reality... I, I just don't see the competition having the hands-on knowledge and the I'm going to beat it up mentality. But not only that, I mean, you truly love to hunt. I mean, this isn't just, you know, you're the face of the company, so you go on a few hunts. I mean, you live and breathe it. Yep. It's been part of my DNA. I've been doing it since I was old enough to walk. And um, it's just who I am. And I absolutely love the bigger more extreme, you know, mountain style hunts. I love big backpack hunts that really test your soul, your body, your mind, and your equipment. And then those hunts, it lets you know that, know what your limits are and what the edges are. And, um, does the same for the gear that we make and build. And, you know, after every big sheep hunt, I get done and I've learned a lot about my equipment and learned a lot about how we can make it even better. I've got a question about your preparation for these hunts. Um, uh, ha having been a professional football player, um, you're obviously a big, strong guy. Um, but how are you preparing for uh, this upcoming doll sheep hunt? Um, like, run me through your, your workout regimen. Yeah, the biggest thing I do is I never get out of shape. Um, so I train year-round. Um, obviously, I'll, I will try to peak my workouts this time of year so that I'm in, you know, in the best shape of the year in the summer. And that usually, you know, includes just ramping up my cardio. Um, like this month I started carrying a pack during my workouts, uh, whether it's in the gym, on the treadmill, start, start adding weight to a pack just to get those specific muscles that, that you can only get wearing a heavy pack. Um, on the weekends, you know, I'll train in the hills this time of year with a pack on, um, and, Coming up to before hunt, before I start specifically training for a hunt, I do a lot of trail running um, and then weights in the gym. And I'll do it, you know, like I said, I do it year-round. I like the way I feel when I'm exercising and I'm in shape. And it's just a lot easier for me to do that than to try to, you know, all of a sudden get in shape for a hunt. And I 
Um, my biggest challenge is to not overtrain and get myself hurt, which I have a tendency to do a lot. Uh, last year I had the Achilles problem going into my stone sheep hunt because I spent too much time in a heavy pack getting ready for that trip and, um, and got a, a strain and something in my Achilles, but I ended up making it through the hunt all right, but how is it now? It's fine. It's great. I've been a lot smarter this year going into this sheep hunt and not beating myself up over training. So are, are you a get up early and train in the morning, Jason, or are you a train in the evenings? Kind of what's your schedule? Uh, for years, I've been a get up early in the morning and train uh, before work. Um, I've set up a little different schedule over the last year, which is um, I take two hour break in the middle of the day and go train at lunch. And that's now I've got kids, so I take my kids to school and like to spend time with them in the mornings. So I've adjusted my schedule. They've got older now to to do uh, a noontime uh, training regiment, which actually I've gotten to really like because my workouts are better than in the morning. That's awesome. Jason, what would you tell in conclusion here of our conversation um, from a business sense or from, you know, if you could give advice to young people say, um, out of high school, in the college age, either going to college or trying to figure out what they're doing, um, what advice could you give, give people, or even maybe people that are, that are, you know, in their mid-40s, 50s that are searching for something or trying to figure it out? What advice can you give people in, as far as business? Is, I mean, my, my biggest recommendation to anybody um, whether you're whether you're 15 or whether you're 50 is you'll you can never reach your full potential unless you're doing something you're absolutely passionate about. And someone had told me that um, when I was in my late 20s, and I thought about it for years before I finally went and started Sitka, and then realized exactly what they meant. And that's because when you're passionate about what you're doing and you love what you're doing. It never seems like work, and so um, you will outwork anybody else that's in the business that you're competing against um, because it doesn't work, and you can truly realize how successful you can be um, because you're willing to work on it all the time and you never stop thinking about it versus you know punching the clock from nine to five just to make a paycheck. It's it's night and day, and um, you know what I tell young guys is is envision that perfect job that perfect career and that perfect life and go do it because we only get one chance at this thing and I didn't want to have any regrets and that's why I started doing what I started doing um, but I didn't start till I was 32 and I had absolutely zero experience in this business I knew nothing about it um, I just immersed myself in it from day one and loved it and uh, learned everything on the fly. I've made every single mistake you could possibly mistake, make in business and in this business, um, but it's how you learn. And I've just stayed stubborn and, and I'm a really good grinder and have grounded out to where I understand the business and know it really, really well and I'm really good at it and absolutely love what I do. Well, it's uh, passion, like you said. I mean, if you're passionate about it, uh and follow your dreams and um, just do what you love. You're going to be good at it. And uh, Jason, I want to thank you again for being on the podcast uh, the second time here. Your first episode was awesome. The second episode was great, awesome too. Um, 
just want to thank you for all your success and, and for the hard charger that you are with Kuyu and um, continuing to just push that brand and uh, wish you the best of success here on your uh, hunt this weekend and, and uh, uh, hope, hope you guys get a, a, a nice buck and or at least get some shots but more importantly you guys get to spend some father-son and some grandson time and, and uh, uh, just hope you guys have a great time. Jay, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. It's always good to talk to you and hear your voice and uh, look forward to next time I get to see you and hang out and hunt and uh, congratulations on all your success and not surprised that your podcasts have quickly become uh, and created such a following. I really enjoy listening to them. Sounds good, Jason. Thanks a lot, and uh, God bless you, and I'll, I'll be chatting at you down the road, okay? All right, buddy. You take care. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye.